Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, NIL Bucks, Hudson, McCarty, Shuck, Conifers, and Cowboys on this special edition of Locked On Texas Tech. Great to be with you, as always, on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. With the only Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. Back to wrap up the week with another special edition, Chris. Voices from the YouTube comments. Love to hear from those Locked On Texas Tech viewers and listeners out there. So we take a look at some of what has come in this week and stood out to us and we have got a wide variety as you can see there on the right side of your screen of ticks to discuss uh, some of this we've touched on Chris but some of this is as a result of our conversation some questions asked uh, here or there more clarity insight etc uh, based on some of what has gone down this week and one of the things we most recently discussed on yesterday's show was an impending collaboration between the Matador Club uh, and the Red Raider Club. Name, image, and likeness arrangements, and of course, general fundraising and athletics department support. These worlds colliding, and there's just a whole lot of murky area to sort through. I know you and I don't have all because the guys involved don't even have all the answers. So just approach a conversation involving NIL, I think, with that in mind and that's the way that we'll approach this one so let's get to thought number one question number one this is from at mr prodigistry which i don't know what it means but it's fun <laughs> to say says this does the matador club sit down with the football staff and tell them the budget then coaches go recruit with that money or is it a case where the coaches make their pitches to the players then nil talks happen with the matador club essentially Mr. Prodigistry, Chris, is wondering if it is a single conversation that takes place or could there be kind of an assembly line of sorts? I know yeah. this is kind of new. So what do you know at this time about maybe how they intend uh, for this to actually operate? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, Cowan, I think a lot of these conversations took place uh, a year ago. And I think, you know, you've changed uh, a bit uh, with the times and tried to figure out how all this was going to work. And so you've been able to pivot uh, on occasion. I, I think that if we're just talking football program here, uh, I think that Joey was of the mindset, and I think others were as well. Let, let's, because I think it's very important to somebody like like Cody Campbell and Dusty Womble and folks that are very involved at the, at the Matador Club level. We want kids that really want to be here, and then if they if that is the case, and 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 the staff has identified them as players that they would like to have be here, then let's take care of them. You know, and I think yeah. that's where yep. the, you know trying to be fair across the board comes in. It may not be perfect, but it certainly works here. I think there are a few exceptions uh, that have been warranted. Uh, for example, I, I, did, I think Tyree Wilson may have gotten a bit more uh, than everybody else last year. Probably deserved it. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, but I think, I think 95% uh, of, of these players are making from the Matador club, mind you, 
are making the same thing across the board. Now they can go get a separate deal uh, through another organization or rep a restaurant or car dealership or whatever that that's off to the side. And I think that as far as like how it's pitched to the player, it's against NCAA rules to say, Hey, you've got this much money waiting on you when you get here kind of thing. However, Player, players are going to know what the previous players got and then know, understand, hey, they're good for it or how much is it? How does it work? And so they, they, they are, you know, they would become aware of, of what the deal is. But you can't you can't go recruit and go, hey, man, uh, we're, we're offering you 50 grand. What, what do you think? You know, it's not how, Here's it's where not you're how it works. Slotted. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's supposed to be. We, we want to recruit you as a student athlete. Here's what you can major in. Here's why we would love to have you play in our offense or defense. Here's where we think you fit in. And then, oh, by the way, you know, yeah, th- there's some NIL stuff that, that is available to you, you know, but they would find that out after the fact or, or during the process. But it's not really something that you can offer, if that makes sense. It's just kind of yeah. part of the deal. Uh, but it, it – and, and so I think that other programs on campus have kind of taken this – you know, same model, whether that's the Matador club saying, Hey, here's what we're going to do because they went over to the lady Raiders and I think they all got 25,000. And I think it was just kind of that football model. Uh, and I think baseball is not starting to tap into it. You're going to hear something as far as men's basketball goes. Um, and, and the goal here, that's why the Matador club has been so important because the goal is, is ultimately for these people to be able to give every student athlete on campus something. Uh, in every program and that's a lofty goal and they feel like that that's going to require about eight million annually to do that and i want to say in year one they raised about five million or so um wow that's really interesting i haven't i haven't heard a number put to that actually what would it take to blanket the athletics department yeah and and i now, at what level is the golf at, golfer getting versus the football player versus the softball player versus the soccer player versus the baseball player? Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to that, but they would like to be able to give – and make no mistake, the, these these are not the rules that this group has made. This is just the way it goes. Right. You're always going to have to be very leery of, of not – really going all in with football and men's basketball simply because that's what that's what creates all the revenue on campus for the athletics department and and even then it's mostly football you know we've seen all these percentages as it relates to media rights deals it's like it's like 80 percent maybe even more than that of a media rights deal is solely based on football content so that's what brings in all the money from ESPN and Fox. And then and then it's up the athletic department to kind of run their business based off of, of this money. So, again, those are not the rules that anybody here made. They're just playing by them, and that's the way it goes. And then men's basketball does make uh, a lot of money because of the NCAA tournament and, and different and, and ticket sales and all those kinds of things as well. So, But that's uh, hopefully I've answered the question correctly here. Yeah, I think you outlined it pretty well as to where the bumpers are kind of right now or the barriers are um, right now as to what it should look like or what we want it to look like, I think could be an entirely different conversation, Chris. But what I would really like the intention or the goal to be for those regulating such things as we move forward in this kind of wide open early stages era of NIL opportunity is just transparency. 
Um, no veils or curtains for the sake of just having a veil or curtain. Um, I think sometimes you get into these positions where everyone involved in the reality knows how it's actually working. So why can't we just allow it to work like that? If that is the most seamless avenue, if you can allow this communication between X, Y, and Z parties that right now may be prohibited or something like that, I'm not afraid to go down that road. I'm also not very sentiment, uh, sentimental about you know, good old varsity you and the way it used to be when they were riding trains to games. I know some are, and I don't begrudge you for that. I'm just maybe a little bit more cynical as it relates to professional amateurism sports uh, or professional amateur sports, which is what college sports actually is. So I just hope we can get more so into a realm. Hey, we're not pulling wool over anyone's eyes. We're not trying to treat people like they were idiots, namely consumers and fans and telling you this is what's happening, but here's the actual reality. So Maybe someday we do need to talk, uh, knock down some of the barriers or, or try to figure out exactly how this can be the most uh, sensical approach that, that you can possibly come up with. Because as an example, just right now, this one's always stuck with me. You know, one way for a university to really influence an NIL offer that they're not actually allowed to even be making, as you just described, is by, say, like a licensing apparel deal with a local um, merchandise retailer. And someone's saying the, from the university, okay, this store that's selling our gear, we're actually giving you our you know, trademark properties. We're giving you the double T. We're giving you these specific color palettes. We're giving you whatever that comes with. And so if you have a deal with the guy to make his jersey or profit off of something, well, you've got access to these as well. This was an actual early story involving men and a merchandise retailer uh, or retail outlet there in Ann Arbor that some were up in arms about uh, having dedicated trademark properties uh, allotted to, whereas others couldn't. And so, of course, they thought, well, yeah, this is where the some of the NIL stuff is going to be funneled. And it's because of a de decision made by the university. Um, I'm not for or against or here saying it's right or wrong, but I just think they're interesting things to observe. So if we know that that influence is there, then maybe let's make an effort to try and, uh, in a common sense kind of way, uh, allow that interest or influence to be exerted because it's going to be anyway. So this is such a big, big topic to try to tackle. But as far as the question and how it works out here locally and on campus, who gets to talk to who, how it works, I think in general, if I'm understanding correctly, Chris, um, really the conversation is coaching staff and player as far as the relationship just to begin with. And then you kind of determine, you know, what opportunities are out there on the other side, whether it is actual NIL pursuit or it's like collective funding. Everybody in the locker room gets this, or, hey, here's a business partner that uh, I'd like to visit with you, or whatever it might be. Um, it's so muddled right now. I hope we can get to something that is maybe a little easier to digest. For student athlete, player, and fan, I can only feel like that would help the situation. You know, imagine this. You had a clear understanding of what was allowed. <laughs> yeah. I know it sounds but, like an awful idea, right? But luckily, luckily, right now, everybody is on the same page. And yeah. nobody's being unrealistic. I think they're trying to be fair. I think they're 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 trying to cultivate uh, the the fund and don't and donations from from a variety of of different people. And coaches are on the same page. And you've got smart people like running the Matador Club and in charge of it. That I think you know. Luckily, you're you're all connected and on the same page because I think that you've got different entities on other campuses kind of almost competing against each other. And we have a different view of it compared to how they have a view of it. And you've yes. got, you know, multiple, you know, and all those things. And so 
Um, and that's why the announcement that came out yesterday about, you know, the Red Raider Club and the Matador Club kind of working hand in hand is is key. And I think it's a bit of a model uh, going forward uh, for a lot of schools to try to because I think Kirby even said that uh, in that deal that I was at on Wednesday night. Like, I expect to get many, many calls from many of my counterparts going, how did you organize this tell me what you did tell me why tell me how tell me when i mean all how does it work whatever and so i think that's that's quite a compliment man could be a tremendous advantage uh to anybody who is able to wield it wisely and that's going to take everybody pulling in the same direction thankfully so far uh so good for texas tech in that regard all right we're switching gears coming up next more from you we're talking on-field personnel maybe names you're not even familiar with but they are on the red raider radar why and how seriously should you be focusing in on these we'll get to them next mccarty hudson and conversation on the way on locked on texas tech but first today's episode brought to you by Bird dogs, Megan, you look good with the most versatile shorts known to man. Most comfortable, best fitting, leaving you with that sculpted look you're after. And now made with cloud knit fabric. Organic, cage-free clouds. How many of them gave their lives for you to look this good? That's a number I won't share with you today, but just know it was a lot. Never sacrificing comfort or fit while making you look the way you want to look. For all occasions. And of course, they've got that sweat wicking fabric keeping you dry. Not restrictive like some of those other stiff shorts you may have tried on before. No, these stretchy pants, magical for your lower half. And of course, your better half is going to like it as well. For all occasions, Father's Day, Mother's Day, any day, Bird Dogs is the answer. So head on over right now to birddogs.com slash locked on college and with every order they're going to throw in a free custom tumbler that's right with every order a free custom tumbler right now at birddogs.com slash locked on college you're going to be cool and dry all day long and of course you're going to have that slim sculpted look without having to sacrifice any movement or comfort it's the most versatile best looking best feeling pair of short pants you ever put on don't take my word for it head on over right now and find out for yourself at birddogs.com slash locked on college and remember with every order you're getting a free custom tumbler right now at birddogs.com slash locked on college have you along for the ride once again on locked on texas tech on the locked on podcast network subscribe on youtube or anywhere you get podcasts so you never miss an episode with chris level i'm casey cowan you today we're hearing from voices from the youtube comments edition of locked on texas tech we were talking nil just a moment ago but those that it's impacting we want to turn to now those student athletes, Chris, and there's some pretty interesting things happening right there or right now uh, out on the recruiting trail, whether we're talking about uh, prep level guys or transfer portal guys. And we had some questions and comments from the YouTube comments pertaining to two that I wanted to bring to your attention and ask you about uh, here today as we wrap up the week. Let's begin with wide receiver Micah Hudson. 
we spoke about not too long ago. And it's been a pretty interesting week if you're following along with Micah's social media activity. But I don't know why exactly, which is exactly what at Bacon Shaken 77 is brought to the table here. What's going on with Micah Hudson? He asked. Felt good about text chances. Now he's all longhorns on social media. I don't know what is real. <laughs> Have you been riding this roller coaster this week, Chris, or even uh, even following along what's been going on there? Because social media can be a dangerous thing to follow. Yeah, and, and I, I think, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I have followed it. Um, this is he, he's done this. Uh, he's done this back in the spring a little bit. I think depending on what side of the camp you're on here, this is either. Um, him kind of indicating to you where he is going to go and kind of whatever, or he's, this is the, a really good troll job. And I, I, I tend to think that um, he's, you know, yesterday he was on an unofficial to university of Texas and uh, he's on his official visit to Texas tech this weekend should, I think maybe even got here last night. And I think, I think Texas Tech is in a really good spot here, and I think, yeah, I, I, I will, we'll all ultimately know whenever he decides to sign or to commit or, or whatever. But I think that the social media stuff is a bit of a troll job. But maybe the joke's on us. I don't know, but I, I, I know right. Mike is, yeah, Mike is a different kid. Um, I think that he. I think in some ways, I'm not sure if he's if he likes the some of the glitz glamour country club. I don't I don't know what the right way to phrase that is uh, on that that Texas has going with it. Maybe big city. I don't I don't know. I think he likes the the relationships he's built with the Texas Tech folks. But again, ultimately, we'll see. And I and I will tell you, I do think it's one of these two schools. This is where he's going to go. Um, he's either going to be a Longhorn or a Red Raider, and uh, and I, but I think Texas Tech has done a phenomenal job putting themselves in a position to, you know, to to land him. So, um, and, and he would be this recruitment or this, you know, signing if you can get it done, would be about as big uh, of a deal from a perception standpoint as as anything. Uh, I know that Mike has been told that. You know, the, the way that they're kind of trying to negative recruit Texas Tech is that, and Micah specifically, is that, you know, Zach Kittley's not going to be there, man. He's not going to even get to coach you. He's going to take the first job that, you know, and, and here Zach is with a brand-new three-year contract, and his dad's the track coach. He's got family here. His brother lives here, um, you know, and he's got a, a big-time support system. And so, uh, you know, but I, I think Texas Tech is in a really good spot here. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens. But yes, my my to answer that question, I think that it's uh, the the change in social media graphics and all the the emojis and all everything that we've got going on. I think that's a troll job, but we'll see. Maybe the joke's on me. <laughs> Maybe the joke is on us. Indeed, that's the danger of playing this game yep. here this week. Uh, I wish I had the <laughs> Trump clip. It's called trolling. We do a little trolling. Uh, but if that's indeed the reality, I don't even – if he winds up a Red Raider and that's what the reality of this week has actually been, I'm going to say this, and it sounds insane. I don't care if he ever catches a pass. He's a Red Raider legend. <laughs> he pulls this off. <laughs> do I actually mean it? I don't know. 
I'll have to think about that one mm-hmm. after the show. Okay, let's stick on the field, Chris. This actually may be a little bit more, um, I don't know, like immediate impact related. I think we're talking transfer portal now, not prep level as we bring up the name AJ McCarty. This from RRNST0810 says, does our staff have a connection with now former Baylor cornerback AJ McCarty, who I believe is in the transfer portal, uh, says, saw we offered, but wondering if there's anything beyond the offer to note. I'm totally unfamiliar with this name, Chris. So uh, what's this about? Yeah, Calvin, AJ McCarty entered the portal early this week. Uh, I, you know, obviously something went on at Baylor and he's no longer going to go to school there. And so I think as soon as he gets in the portal, shortly thereafter, Texas Tech was one of those that offered him. I think Texas State was, you know, and most people don't even have scholarships available or anything like that. The, yeah. the other thing is that he's he's getting in the portal after the window has closed. And so I think there may need to be a waiver to get him immediately eligible, mm-hmm. or or maybe he sits for a year, which is kind of the way the rule is designed. And I think, I think he would still have two years to play. Uh, I, I think he's a three three to play two. So I don't know if there's been a, a redshirt year or anything, and there's a COVID kind of confusion in there. So I think he's got three to play two. So if he did sit a year, I think he would still have two. If he was eligible immediately right now, I think he's just got the, the two years to play. Uh, so, I, But I don't have total clarification on that. Who he is, he's a guy from Brownwood that was a four-sport stud. I think he was a basketballer, big-time triple jumper, played obviously really good at football. I can't remember the fourth sport, but um, he uh, he is somebody that the previous staff had a lot of connections to, or, or like the, your 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 current staff, the previous staff at Baylor, which are some of the guys on gotcha. Joey's staff right now. So they know him, they know what he's about, they know uh, who he is, and all those things. And this would be a, a an NIL Matador Club type of acquisition if you can make it happen. In other words. We don't have any scholarships to give you. However, you're you're going to come up here and not have to pay for anything because you're fortunate enough to have um, the 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 Matador Club doing what it's doing. Who he is, though, he he probably would have been a starting corner for Baylor this year. If you remember back to the Baylor game really? last year, Tyler Shuck came into the game. I think he threw a pick six. This was AJ McCarty that that caught this pass and and ran it back mm-hmm. for a touchdown. Uh, but but he's uh. I, I think I think if you get him, he's a starting corner for you next year. I think him and Braylon Lux would be on paper your starting corners a year wow. from now, and you've got Malik and Rashad Williams. So this isn't, you know, and if he is immediately eligible, you you are swimming in in experienced cover corners. You you can do a variety of different things. It makes you that much better on special teams, on and on and on it goes. Whatever the case is with his eligibility, though, they are going to try to make it happen, in my opinion, on adding him to this roster um, and, and, and make it happen. Because it, there's some connections there. He needs, a, he needs a, a new home, and I think that you would love to give him one. So uh, mm. we'll kind of see what, what happens there. But, yeah, remember the name of A.J. McCarty. I didn't know I'd love to give him one, but sounds like I'd love to give him a home uh, right here at <laughs> right. 806. So uh, come on down. That could work out very nicely. You throw in uh, the word waiver or appeal process, things like that, that can be adventurous. So we'll have to wait and see how it would work out if he becomes uh, a Red Raider. Come, something to keep an eye on, though. 
certainly has helped to a defensive backfield and some that's got some seasoning on this level uh, would be uh, welcome every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Okay, coming up next to wrap up the week, we got an on-the-ground, firsthand Cowboy Scouting report, and we also have the, I don't, I'm going to say football slash conifer analysis and insight of the year, like only Locked On Texas Tech could provide you as it relates to the Cowboys, the Red Raiders, Tyler Shuck, and a country next on Locked On Texas Tech. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech a part of your day whenever, wherever, or however you're doing it. We appreciate it. Subscribe on YouTube so you never miss an episode or anywhere you get podcasts. With Chris, I'm Casey. We're back for one more round to wrap up the week in this special edition of Locked On Texas Tech's Voices from the YouTube Comments. Not even all that scary today. Just kind of interesting. So I appreciate that. Sometimes it can be frightening. I mean, it can be a frightening tiptoe through these YouTube comment tulips. But uh, today, just thought-provoking. And we finish with some insight, actually, uh, I think, as it relates to what we got coming down the pipe uh, September 2nd, Chris, when the Red Raiders open up on the road from Laramie, Wyoming, a place uh, that we know the location of, also now know the locations of Colorado Springs and Fort Collins, Colorado. It's been a very educational week here on Locked on Texas Tech. Uh, let's, let's, let's hear from a buddy up here in Wyoming, Red Raider, LBK native. As a matter of fact, Chris, this is from Dave here. 93, 95 says this, don't sleep on coach bowl and the Cowboys lifelong Red Raider fan grew up on the outskirts of Lubbock, lived in West Texas for 31 years, been in the Pinedale, Wyoming area for the past 32 ish coach bowl is an old school coach has a history of finding under-the-radar guys. When there were eight teams left in the NFL playoffs last year, seven of those had Wyoming Cowboys on the roster. The Raiders will have more talent, but the Cowboys have shocked some bigger teams opening week. I'm going to be there to see it in person. I'd like it to be close, but Raider power needs to prevail. Then beat Oregon. By the way, he finishes, Chris, in saying daily listener on various platforms, which will absolutely get you a shout-out on this show. So a shout-out from Lubbock all the way up to Pinedale, Wyoming area. I'm not familiar with it, Chris, uh, but sounds like a lovely place and sounds like just like we talked about the other day when we mentioned minus 13, the initial number in favor of Texas Tech, but uh, certainly anticipating something uh, tough to say the least. Anything less than that, I'll be surprised, man. Just open it up on the road against a team that can be prickly, as we've already said, in week one. I mean, there's all kinds of adventure that could come with that. Yeah, and I, and I told you a couple of days ago, I thought the spread, if you'd asked me, it would have been around eight or nine, not in double digits, uh, like the 13 or 14 that we, we talked about. But yeah, Co- Coach Bowl is, he's uh, he's he's been there for, golly, I think 10 or 12 years. Uh, you know, I think we talked about, you know, and I don't think you'll get anybody around here taking Wyoming lightly. It's a tricky game. You're in altitude. It's a nighttime game. Uh, you've got a huge home game coming up the week after. I mean, lots of of, of potential pitfalls there, and and I think oh, yeah. I, I think what'll be interesting. Like, I'll just throw you an X's and O's tidbit about this game that I think will be interesting. Like a schematic uh, thing yeah. that I'll be fascinated about is typically Wyoming. Does, and I mentioned to you that they remind me of Iowa State. 
you know, very sound. Uh, they play really good defense. Not going to be anybody's going to take them for an explosive offense at all. I think they averaged 21 points a game last year, but they play really salty defense. They sell out to stop the run. I mean, this is Iowa State. They play ball control. They try to shorten the game a little bit. And, uh, but they do, unlike Iowa State, that plays that double cloud, too high safety look. Typically, Wyoming, uh, at least a lot in recent seasons, they play with a one high safety, which means because they put another person closer to the line of scrimmage, just really trying to stop the run. What that does when you do that is it opens up your wide receivers. They would be in man-to-man, you know, one-on-one type situations. And that's when, you know, you would think that maybe a Loic Fungi and a, and a Jerron Bradley, maybe a Miles mm. Price, they, they could win some of those matchups. So that'll be kind of the chess match as we talk about this game three months ahead of time. Uh, you know, what, what, what may be in store there. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But no, healthy respect for Wyoming. It's a tricky game. Like I said, it, it's kind of a scary game for Texas Tech, but it, it's first on the schedule. And it's a highly anticipated uh, one. And I think, uh, as Joey McGuire w- would say to the Wyoming folks, uh, we- we're going to find out if you can handle 60 minutes of us. <laughs> National television, CBS, uh, to kick off the season from Laramie, Wyoming. Again, a place that we clearly know where it is and have all along. <laughs> Just want to go ahead and restate that once again. Um, you mentioned uh, Bradley, Fungi, Price. We could add McCray to that also. And could, I was absolutely liking, could. Yep. I was liking that group with McCray included, Chris, because you're talking about guys that are dramatically different, at least two and two. Bradley, Fungi, and then McCray is the uh, shiftier guys. And the variety, the versatility that we could see, hopefully pick one also, but throughout the season has really got me excited about uh, the chances for this wide receiving core in 2023. I don't know if I've ever felt this way, but I, I swear you were just describing the opening week as a trap game. I thought that – can we say week one is a trap game? <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened before. Well, with, with some of the expectations and and with it, you know, again, you just start adding nighttime, you start yeah. adding, you know, national TV, you start adding altitude. You, you Oregon the next winning, week. I think that's a great yes, point. And you a added, winning yeah. team and then a monster game the next week that you, you've – you know, look, these guys have been asked about that Oregon game, coaches, players, and all that, a bunch already. It, it's, it is. It's a big one. It'll be a nationally relevant one, but you got to play the first one first, you know? Yeah, play that first one right, and you've probably got a, a top 25 matchup in that second one, uh, possibly as well. All right. Thanks for the uh, comment, Dave here, 9395. I'm going to go ahead and crown him officially as our on the ground uh, Wyoming correspondent. So maybe we'll hear from you again. Uh, when we get closer to uh, September 2nd. And thanks for listening on various platforms. Uh, by the way, I know we both agree on that, Chris. We really appreciate Absolutely. that. Yes. I mean, it really kind of puts the onus on those of you just listening on one platform. What do you just watch on YouTube and then you think you're done? No! Get to Apple Podcasts. Get to Spotify. Vice versa. You got to make the rounds like our guy Dave in Wyoming. All right, speaking of the Piney Woods, uh, to wrap it up here, Chris. The kind of insight you're only getting on this show, uh, I feel like, like I haven't seen it anywhere else. It's a combination of football and conifer insight, and you throw in a little Tyler Shuck as well. And you can only get it from a trusted advisor like someone with the name NB3411, who brings us this, saying, friendly neighborhood Portland Red Raider here. Conifers are indeed pine trees and shrubs. 
Shuck played in Eugene in the great conifer wilderness of the Willamette River Valley. So he would be quite familiar with them as a backdrop. I don't even know if FanDuel has this information yet, Chris. This is like really inside <laughs> stuff here. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, I, I I talked to Shuck this week. He, you know, I think I, I mentioned that to you. He's told me he weighs about just under two thirty five. And I, you know, he's going to get asked a lot about this game because of the opponent, and and I don't know if he's going to be asked about pine trees or conifers or anything like that. But <laughs> um, you know, he's very mature. And I think, luckily, though, this is very similar to – I'm trying to think of another example of – it's kind of like um, – I, I, there's just not a lot of connections there between who was there whenever Shuck was at Oregon and, and, and all those things. People are going to yeah. draw those conclusions, but it's a different staff and, and, and different – you know, there's just not a lot of people that are still there that, that were there whenever he was. And so I, hopefully that's not – too big of a distraction for him. And I don't think it will be, but it, it is a fun side note uh, to make and people will make that connection and they should. Um, I mean, t- you know, you, you don't really hear a lot about Tim DeRuiter, you know, and he, he coached up there too. It's really been about Tyler Shuck. I mean, you know, t- Tim DeRuiter, I think is, is very curious how, how Oregon will uh, handle the travel and, and, and all that because he was in that locker room and he knows those players and what they're used to and all those things. So, Nighttime in Lubbock ought to be ought to be fun on what is it September the 9th, I think. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Conifers or not, man. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Shuck will Shuck will be just fine. If you're getting in on that early minus 13, or maybe any uh, props or odds for Tyler Shuck himself over at uh, FanDuel.com/slash locked on, consider this insight. He is not a man who is uh, new to a conifer. I mean, the Willamette Valley. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. So uh, do with that what you will responsibly, uh, we would suggest. All right, Chris, hope you have a very responsible weekend. <laughs> Enjoyed it all week long. Thanks for all the insight and the time, man. We'll do it again on the other side. Absolutely. Keep hope alive, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there listening to us. Uh, enjoy your uh, day over the weekend. Don't try to take too advantage of, uh, uh, of, of the misses that day. But uh, enjoy it, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Keep hope alive, everybody. <laughs> I say milk it for all it's worth. You only get it once a year. Whether you take that to mean the missus or not, just do what you do, baby boy. Happy Father's Day all around the world, uh, past, present, and future. For Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. We'll see you on the other side of the weekend. Hope you have a great one right back here on Locked on Texas Tech.